Hello, everyone. This is Dave. And I'm Stacy. Welcome to the Plants Change My Life podcast. We are a husband and wife team living in Houston, arguably the barbecue capital of Texas, who share a passion for good food and holistic wellness. We are on a mission to inspire people to live their best lives through healthy food choices, one meal at a time. Every individual making these choices today will help create a legacy of good health and wellness for the next generation. In this podcast, you'll hear stories from people who have experienced awesome changes with a plant-based lifestyle. We'll also feature other amazing individuals whose voices help with our mission. Today, we're talking to a woman who is passionate about helping people heal with plant-based foods. Allison Tierney's mission stems from having her mom, her grandmothers, and grandfather all endure a battle with cancer while she was in college. After graduating with a degree in business, she made the tough decision to start over, follow her heart, and return to school to study nutrition. Now, she's a registered dietitian who has gained knowledge not only through textbooks and research, but also through personal experience. In addition to helping others, she has put her knowledge to the test for herself. After switching to a whole food plant-based diet, she was able to overcome infertility and successfully manage polycystic ovarian syndrome. In today's episode, we talk about all of this, cancer-fighting foods, and more. Grab your tea and take a seat. Here's her story. here with Allison Tierney, a registered dietitian who is board certified in oncology nutrition. She's also the founder of Wholesome LLC, and it's a platform dedicated to providing tools to help you let food be your medicine and your medicine be your food. She has a moving story about the power of a plant-based diet, and she's passionate about sharing her knowledge and helping others prevent, manage, and reverse chronic diseases. I'm so excited to have her to share with us today. Thank you for joining us, Allison. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Yes, I am. I, I, I read through your website and I'm familiar with your story. I feel like I know you. I've, I've like reading your PCOS journey. I was like on an emotional roller coaster. <laughs> Yeah, totally. So I'm just glad to have you here to share that experience. And because um, I know a lot of other people that are dealing with similar things and infertility and things like that. But let's get started by learning a little bit about you, where you're located and where you're from. Sure. So um, I am actually located in southeastern Wisconsin outside of Milwaukee. Um, so I'm pretty much in the suburbs there. And I've pretty much lived here my whole life, except for when I went to college in Minnesota. Um, so yeah, it kind of keeps me bringing back here and um, just loving Milwaukee. And we were talking a little bit about the summer heat right now, but the winters can be kind of intense too. <laughs> wow. That's, that's, it's pretty interesting that the weather can have such extreme swings from heat to cold. Oh, yes, definitely here in Wisconsin. <laughs> yes. So can you tell us a little bit about what the vegan culture is like in your area? 
Yeah, so the vegan culture here is not very big, I would say. And reason that for that, as you could probably imagine, is because it's the dairy state. So mm. um, lots of agriculture, um, dairy farming here, um, and therefore cheese is at the center of a lot of the foods here in Wisconsin. So it's definitely not... Um, very common to have vegan or plant-based eaters, but it's growing in more popularity. So we do have, you know, a couple all-inclusive plant-based restaurants, but most places around the area you'll find where there's just a couple plant-based options. Um, mm-hmm. And when we are out in the suburbs and there's not nearly as much here, so you kind of have to go into Milwaukee to be able to get some of those options, but it is growing. And, you know, the clientele that I work with and interested in plant-based nutrition, especially for health reasons and the clients that I often work with that are working or, excuse me, dealing with cancer, there's definitely more interest in adopting a plant-based diet. Well, it's good to know that there are uh, just a few things that are in reach that can be had, like if you wanted to get out and have some good vegan food in your area. Absolutely. Yeah, it's definitely, we do cook the most at home, mostly because it's harder to get out and get those things. Um, But we do have options when we feel like going out to dinner, which is nice. So you originally went to school for business. And then you got to your senior year and you realized that you were not really into business. So you went back. Yeah, pretty much. So um, so I went to school uh, in Minnesota and I was actually playing softball there. And I was a business major with leadership and management. And actually, my now husband, boyfriend at the time, he was such a big advocate for encouraging me to go back to school to be a dietitian because he's like, you love nutrition, like you talk about it, you read about it. And, you know, being 2021, I thought it was kind of too late because I was rounding out my college experience there. And um, but what really happened during college when I was there was my freshman year, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. My senior year, my grandfather was diagnosed with liver cancer and my other grandmother had passed away from lung cancer and my the second grandmother was diagnosed with breast cancer and my godmother was also diagnosed with breast cancer and so I used to have this huge passion for nutrition as it relates to sports performance as an athlete and I still do have that passion but that passion started to switch a little bit more related to chronic diseases specifically cancer because I always wondered how nutrition could play a role in preventing cancer, helping during the course of treatment, but also helping to prevent recurrence. And so um, when I graduated with my business degree, I decided like trying to figure out, you know, what you want to do with your life. And I had turned down a job in the financial industry, which is kind of what I went to school for because it just didn't feel right. Um, And that was 2010, which kind of seemed like a silly mistake, you know, when the economy wasn't doing that great. Uh, But I ended up my my husband encouraged me just look into going to be a dietitian and so I did and ended up going back to school here in Milwaukee. And my husband was in pharmacy school at the same time. So it actually kind of worked out pretty good that we were both in school from the standpoint of we were both studying and doing like the same type of activities while early in our marriage. And while I was in school, I just asked my professors for every opportunity possible to work in oncology nutrition to get that experience because there's not that many experiences in oncology nutrition. You kind of have to make them for yourself. And that's kind of where it all started. And I got a internship right away in um, outpatient oncology and then was hired by that 
National Cancer Center. And, you know, the rest is kind of history and how I became a dietitian. But I feel exactly where I'm supposed to be in my life. And although my my pocketbook would have loved it differently had I done school in a different order, um, I I wouldn't regret anything um, because I have a Bachelor's of Science, Science in Nutrition, a Bachelor's of Arts in business and then a master's degree in nutrition as well so lots of school and and when you I think in hindsight you you have to say it all works out because now you're as an entrepreneur the business side comes in handy right 100% yep it all works out and it's all such been such a great experience I wouldn't change anything yes it definitely sounds like you are actually you know living a life that's on purpose totally I feel that way too you you studied um, oncology, nutrition. What were some of the things that you learned as far as nutrition related to oncology? Yeah, so when it came to oncology nutrition, the biggest thing that I helped with in my job as an outpatient, so these were people that were going through chemotherapy, radiation, or any other type of um, cancer treatment, and my role was truly to help them manage their side effects with nutrition. So for example, if someone's having constipation, what types of foods can they consume to help them um, naturally? And when it comes to um, other types of things, like if they were having for example, diarrhea, other bowel issues, digestive issues, how can we help them through food? So that is truly how I help them throughout the course of treatment. But when they're done with treatment, then we started moving into how can we help them reduce their risk of recurrence through nutrition? So I was mostly getting individuals that had already started their cancer treatments, and then how can we help them post-treatment? And that kind of led into also finding ways to help educate the community about nutrition and how it can be a preventative tool as well. So um, definitely working in, you know, the prevention, the treatment, and the survivorship piece of cancer nutrition and how nutrition can really play a role in all those different areas and um, just seeing the outcomes and how people live higher quality of lives with reduced symptoms and better outcomes is just amazing to be able to work in that field. This is this is really, really good information. I remember uh, both of my grandmothers had colon cancer. And um, I just remember when my grandmother was in the, my, 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 one of my grandmothers kind of went quickly after her diagnosis, but the other one was in the hospital for a while. And I just remember the food that she used to get. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was pretty awful. I mean, you know, as far as nutritional value, but um, I'm, that's why I'm so excited that you know, you talked about this as like being like, a, I guess, more uh, probably not as widely available as it should be in hospitals. Yep. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I think so I was working at the cancer center and built a, a cancer program, a cancer nutrition program there. But after a while, I kind of thought, too, how can I spread my knowledge even further and reach more people? And that's where Wholesome LLC truly started is to be able to reach people beyond the cancer center that I was working at to help them help educate about that there are things you can do with your nutrition and your lifestyle to help prevent during the course of treatment or even into survivorship um, cancer from occurring and and so forth. So um, that's kind of why Wholesome started was to really just continue to spread that awareness because I like you said I don't think there's enough of it out there. Um, so continuing to spread the knowledge is so important to me. So at, at what point did like the 
did you start focusing more on like plant-based nutrition? Yeah, that's a great question. So as I dived into oncology nutrition a little bit more, I started to dive into the research on my own even more. So in when you're in school to be a dietitian, you do learn about a plant-based vegetarian vegan diet, but you just don't learn like the deep dive into it. So I was going through this research really to figure out how can I better help my patients. And what I was finding was really I was digging up all this information about the plant-based diet and how the plant-based diet is recommended. So I started diving into it from that standpoint and I started thinking about it for myself too. If I'm recommending this to my clients and my patients, what, you know, it really sent me to look back at my diet and what I was doing. And so I started making some changes as well and started really noticing some positive improvements such as energy and my acne was reducing because I have polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS. And those are some of, you know, the side effects and so forth. So it was it. It was by working with my oncology clients and then in turn for myself that it kind of started thinking, whoa, this could really help me and my husband too as we were struggling with infertility. And your story is is so moving. You have it, uh, your story posted on your website and I read through the entire thing and I'm like wanting to cry and cheer with yeah. you the whole time. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's just very inspiring and amazing like I know you go into detail a lot on your website but can you tell us a little bit about that journey yeah of course so really um so it was kind of at that point where I started applying the plant-based nutrition to my own diet a little bit more and I did it slowly I didn't switch a hundred percent overnight by any means um I thought one month I thought I think I'm gonna not eat meat this month and just see what happens and to be honest with you meat really wasn't that big of a deal for me. It wasn't something that I like craved or always wanted. Um, So that was relatively easy for me. And, and then what I slowly started doing is slowly reducing the dairy a little bit more. So growing up in Wisconsin, there was a glass of milk at every dinner meal because it was kind of just what you drink and there is cheese in so many different types of meals. So what I started doing was stop drinking milk in the evening time and tried to reduce the amount of dairy that I was consuming. So I was doing a little bit of it, but this is when my husband and I were really, um, you know, we were trying to get pregnant for some time already and we were starting to get to the point where we needed to go on with further treatments and do a little bit more invasive stuff to try to get pregnant. And so after some of these simple changes in my diet, my acne started improving pretty drastically. My energy improved, like I mentioned before. And as we kind of had this conversation with my doctor about what the next steps were, I dived into the research a little bit more. So I was going from the research in cancer over to infertility. And then I wanted to find out and make sure that the plant-based diet was really healthy in pregnancy and, you know, even raising kids plant-based. So I did that research and I approached my husband and I said, you know, Before we move on to something else, I would really like to try the plant-based diet 100% and see if it helps us. And I told him, I don't need you to do it with me, but I would really like it if you would support me through the process. And of course, 100%, he's like, yep, whatever you think um, will help, let's try it. And so 
so keep in mind, I had been reducing things from my diet a little bit, but that's the point where I decided to completely get rid of dairy um, and stick with not eating meat and, you know, focus on those whole plant-based foods as much as possible. And um, I actually... Um, ovulated for the first time three weeks later and I know that because I'd been taking tests for like a year and a half and had never had a positive one and that one was positive and um, I'm so blessed to be able to say that's all it took and we got pregnant and had a super healthy pregnancy and we now have a three and a half year old girl who is just amazing and we raise her plant-based as well and it was just a very emotional experience, as you can imagine, where it was like up and down and, you know, the different conversations. And I know so many individuals who's, who have also struggled with infertility and some much longer than we have struggled with it. And so, you know, to see that positive test after only a few weeks and, um, you know, having a healthy pregnancy without having to go, you know, f- deeper into other types of treatments and so forth was was pretty amazing and I do believe very strongly that nutrition is just one piece of the puzzle when it comes to trying to get pregnant because I also know and believe you know through research that exercise is super important stress reduction sleep Um, there's so many other pieces of the puzzle but I do strongly believe that nutrition was one of the biggest pieces that helped make it happen for my husband and I I think everything about that is so Awesome. I'm wondering because I, I was when I was reading your your blog, I realized that you and I both had our first child in the same year. So I guess once that's one reason why I felt so attached to the story. Yeah, sure, absolutely. <laughs> but because I know what it's like to like go through the pregnancy and and you never know what might happen, and everybody's telling you about all the possibilities. So it's it's quite a thing. And I'm wondering, like, what was your doctor's response to your plant-based diet? Like, did you have any issues with your obstetrician, uh, you not eating, like, meat, and they feel like it was safe? And did you have to deal with any of that type of? Yeah, that's a great question. And thankfully, I get to say that I really didn't have any issues with that with my OB. Um, And so my OB um, knew what my profession was. She really trusted um, the work that I did. And um, so we she didn't really talk to me about nutrition too much because she kind of believed I was on the right path. I don't think she really actually knew that I was plant based, but I knew she knew that I followed a healthy diet. Um, but she didn't talk to me much about it because of because of being a dietitian. Because there was one time when we were starting to talk about trying to conceive and she started talking about, okay, make sure you start a prenatal that has folate. And she's like, wait, why am I telling you this? You know exactly what to do. And I said, I know, but I like to hear it from other people too, to, you know, to make sure, especially with pregnancy, when you've never done it before, you want to make sure you're covering all your bases. Um, but the trouble that we did run into Uh, was not with my providers, but uh, when my daughter was about 15 months old, um, we were at the pediatrician and I had breastfed her until about 14 months because um, it was just, she was just not really breastfeeding very much, not very interested. She was eating table food really well. So we decided to kind of wean her from breastfeeding. And at her 15 month appointment, um, the doctor told us, you know, she looks great. All development is wonderful. Like I have no concerns. And then he goes, Oh, wait, by the way, how much milk does she drink? And I said, well, we don't, we don't drink milk. And he tried to 
kind of pressing me a little bit. Why don't you drink milk? Is there an allergy or an intolerance? And my daughter was a little fussy at that appointment. So I just kind of said, I just told him that I had an intolerance. And then he went on to tell me about all the ways that I was going to have to force my daughter to drink the cow's milk. And um, yeah, and then the the other thing that kind of really um, frustrated me the most was that the physician had told me that vegetarian children tend to have learning disabilities, which, (laughs) you know, and I was a dietitian working in the exact same building that he was, you know, just in, you know, in the cancer center. And to me, that was number one, a very like frustrating because of a lack of respect for my role as a dietitian and kind of knowing the research and education. And um, so the, the appointment kind of stopped there and we got to the car and my husband, I just looked over at him and he goes, I know <laughs> we're getting a new pediatrician. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and I had told my husband, I'm like, but that's really frustrating because he's going to tell other people that and there's no scientific evidence to say that that's true at all. And, he, you know, my husband's a good devil's advocate and he said you know why um he was why don't you ask him for his research or his sources and so i did and the research was very very poor it actually didn't mention anything about children being vegetarians um what he sent me was focused on children that were fat had fat restricted diets which Uh. is not something that obviously you would do for a young child because fat's so important for their brain development Mm -hmm. and so forth so it just was very unfortunate the way he passed the information in that on that was incorrect. And, um, but after that, we're super fortunate to have found a whole food plant-based pediatrician right in our town, which as we were talking about the plant-based and vegan community here in Milwaukee, it's, you know, it's not that popular. So to be able to find one just two miles down the road has been pretty awesome and fully on board with, um, our approach, you know, feeding our daughter plant-based. And, um, so that's been really reassuring and really encouraging. So thankfully I didn't experience that in in my experience, but we did um, for my daughters. But now we're on a great path with an awesome pediatrician, and I feel really good about it. Yes, that's great. I love hearing those stories because it, it's so true that there are a lot of people in authoritative positions like pediatricians. And, and as a mom, you want to make sure you're doing the best for your child. And so for somebody to say, oh, your child is going to have learning disabilities, Yeah, it's, yeah, well, and it's hard because you get that, you get that feedback and that pushback from maybe your family if you're raising your kid plant-based when, you know, the other grandchildren in the family aren't raised that way. Um, And I think at first it was really kind of a blow to my education and my profession when, you know, other people it's like they trust you, but they don't if you're talking about plant-based nutrition because it's so different. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, and I had to say, you know, I I have done my research and in, in making sure that I feed my, ch- my daughter appropriately. And um, thankfully, I mean, her development and her growth is right on path. And, and then, in, in fact, sometimes even better when it comes to the intellectual part of it. Because, um, and I do think that has part to do with, you know, with her diet. So um, mm-hmm. we've been really lucky in our family for all of that. So you have a toddler. She's almost a preschooler, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. <laughs> so what what do your family meals look like? I know a lot of people kind of feel like, okay, what is what are you feeding a child that's not eating 
animal yeah, products, you know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. So she eats very similar to us. And the way that I um, teach pediatric nutrition to a lot of my clients too. So a lot of my clients have kids. Um, and I think it's an important thing to talk about with how their kids eat for how they eat, because that directly impacts how they as parents eat as well. Um, but we cook the same thing. We're not believers in cooking two meals. However, it's slightly different. And the way that I like to say um, how we cook for our daughter is that her meals are kind of deconstructed. Um, so I'll give you an example. Just last night we had, um, I roasted cauliflower and some chickpeas with different seasonings. And then, um, we made this kind of an avocado spread. Um, and we had, we grilled some pitas and so they were kind of toasted and warm and we spread the avocado spread on it and then put on the, um, cauliflower and roasted chickpeas and so for her we didn't put it together like we did for us we deconstructed it so we put the pita on the plate by itself and we put the roasted cauliflower and the chickpeas separate with some fruit on the side so she's still eating the same thing as us but rather but not Mm -hmm. all put together and we'll kind of do the same thing when we do let's say me and my husband are maybe having a big salad for dinner we don't necessarily expect her to sit down and eat a big salad but we'll put the components of that salad on her plate like the beans and the veggies and we'll still put a little bit of it all together on the plate so she's still introduced to it the same way that we're eating it I totally understand what you mean about having the children eat what you're eating because that's what we do with our girls um it just makes things more simple I think (laughs) absolutely of course they have smaller portions but Yeah. And I do think that, you know, it'll be a new, unique challenge when she does go to school in the fall and and beyond that. And the way that we've talked about approaching it is that, you know, we know we can't control everything that she eats outside of the home as she gets older. But what we're really focused on is that, okay, when we're at home, we eat plant based. This is how we eat. Um, And we don't want to sweat the small stuff as she gets bigger and hopefully we can just teach her um, why we eat the way that we do while still respecting other people's food choices. And that's one of the biggest things that we talk about with her is that um, you know, she's not used to eating eggs and chicken that some other people don't choose to eat. But we talk about how important it is to have respect for what their choices are, just like Mm -hmm. we would want them to have respect for our choices back. Um, So that's something that we definitely work on together is having those conversations with her, you know, when she sits down and has somebody is with somebody that has a different meal than her, um, that is animal based. And, you know, I don't want her to say yuck, or that's weird or anything like that, (laughs) because I don't want someone to say that back to her. Mm -hmm. Um, so we have those conversations and try to approach it like that. Um, and you know, time will tell what school is like and we'll approach it as we get there, but that's kind of how we're going to approach it moving forward. Yes. I love that. So You mentioned a little bit about your family. So when you decided to take this plant-based journey, and I know your husband was so supportive, which is so awesome. Did you have any family members that, was it just you and your husband or did anybody else take the journey with you and how did they react to it? Right. So um, I actually have a twin sister. Her name is Lauren and she became plant-based on the journey as well. So slight, just a little bit after I did. Um, So unfortunately in 2013, Lauren was diagnosed with lupus, which is an autoimmune condition that affects joints and organs. And um, after I had changed to a plant-based diet and of course done lots of research in in the diet, um, I encouraged her to switch to a plant-based diet to try it out 
out for um, to help manage her lupus side effects. And um, I can thankfully tell you that today her disease is in remission. Um, she wow. decreased her medications from 16 to 1. Um, and she just had a beautiful baby girl seven weeks ago, which wow. unfortunately isn't something that a lot of lupus patients get to experience this pregnancy because it's a little bit more difficult to get pregnant. There's medications that you can't be on um, to try to conceive. And so, um, so yeah, it's so me and my sister do it together. We're the only ones like in our immediate family that are plant-based, but we have noticed that some of our other family members have just taken extra steps to, you know, eat more plant-based foods, which, you know, for us is that's a huge win to see our family just adopting more plants and less animal products. Yes, that is. That's awesome. So a lot of people will say that, you know, yeah, I hear that healthy food is 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 great and a plant based diet is the way to go. But um, some I think some people are intimidated by the fact that they think it's going to cost them more money to eat. What do, what do you have to say about that? So when it comes to the plant based diet and healthy eating, you know, I won't deny that healthy eating can sometimes take more time, right? You can't, it's so much easier sometimes to just go through a drive-through for someone and that. So it does take a little bit more time, but when it comes to money, if you're focused on eating the foundation of the whole food plant-based diet, such as the fruits, veggies, whole grains, legumes, um, some nuts and seeds and so forth, um, and if you're not focused on the vegan processed foods, then it actually is much it's much more inexpensive because meat and dairy is expensive and the processed vegan foods like dairy-free ice cream, for example, or um, the plant-based burgers and so forth, those do tend to be more costly and more expensive. But they also, I also encourage people, don't make that the foundation of your plant-based diet because we really want it to be whole foods as much as possible. Um, and not to say that those can't be part of your diet, but that is tends to be where a plant-based diet gets expensive. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's good advice. So another thing that I think people will 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 that will prevent like they'll see as a roadblock is that there are so many myths surrounding plant-based nutrition. What are some of the biggest myths about plant-based diets? Sure. So one of the biggest myths that I encounter a lot with my clientele is really um, the myth about soy. And the myth about soy is that soy increases the risk of breast cancer or other hormonally based cancers, which is truly a myth. Uh, and that first stemmed from some research that found that um, in different rodent studies where they had two different types of species of rodents, and one of them, when they were fed high amounts of soy, one had developed breast cancer and the other didn't. And that's kind of where it fueled this question of, does soy increase the risk for breast cancer in humans? But the thing to know is that we are not mice, right? We can learn some things from mice studies for sure, but we're not. it's not the same. And um, mm -hmm. these phytoestrogens that are found in soy, um, these phytoestrogens, so they are plant estrogens. They are not the same as human estrogen. And really, there's a couple different ways to think about it. But on the most basic level, the way to think about it is that these phytoestrogens truly, um, they actually sit in the receptor where regular human estrogen would sit and therefore reduces the effect of human 
estrogen. So the way that I like to explain that is within our body, we have these receptors where their hormones sit in. Think of it as, as a key and a lock. So with the lock, so just like you have a lock on a door, that's the receptor. And the key is the hormone. So you have to have the right key or the right hormone to fit in the right lock or the right receptor. The phytoestrogens fit in that receptor, but they actually don't open the receptor. So it's just like having a key that fits in the lock, but it actually doesn't open the door. Mm -hmm. And so that's the way phytoestrogens actually work. And research has shown thousands of studies later that soy is actually protective against breast cancer and other hormonally based cancers, such as even prostate cancer. And research even shows that those who have been diagnosed with breast cancer before have a 25% reduction in breast cancer recurrence in those who eat the most soy compared to those who don't. So there's actually a great amount of protection there when someone consumes tofu, edamame, tempeh, etc. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the other things that we hear a lot is, is that it's difficult for you to get the protein you need with the plant-based diet. And um, that's not true at all, but I can see where it stems from. You know, before I was plant-based, I kind of, the reason I did have meat on my plate was like, oh, this is where I should get my protein from. But what a lot of people don't realize is that we don't need as much protein as many of us are consuming. Research shows that even vegetarians and vegans in the U.S. consume 70% more protein than we actually need. And I don't know the exact reason why that, but my assumption is that vegetarians and vegans are led to believe that they can only get their protein from meat and animal sources, so they're supplementing their protein. But mm-hmm. it's that's not needed at all for most people, and maybe in a very rare exception. Um, but And our needs for protein just are not as high as a lot of people believe them to be. So um, so I'm 140 pounds and I'm 5'7 and I'm a female and my protein needs are about 50 grams per day, which isn't all that much when you think about it if you have a half a cup of um, beans that contains nine grams of protein. And also from the standpoint of if you had a 30, excuse me, if you had a three to four ounce chicken breast, that's 32 grams of protein. That's more than half my needs right there. Um, So we get more than we think we actually do. Um, And I'd be, I'd highly encourage someone to, you know, if they follow a plant-based diet, count their, how many grams of protein they're consuming and they'll notice that they're meeting their needs, if not going beyond them too. Um, And from that standpoint, it's also important to tell people that excess protein consumption is not a good thing and it can actually be detrimental. But we do know that plant-based protein is actually much more gentler on the body and the kidneys. Um, So we, by consuming plant-based protein, even if it's in excess, you're doing your body a much bigger favor. And and then there's the... There's, I don't know, it's, is it uh, the protein combination thing where you have to do like the beans and the rice in order to be like to actually get all the protein you need it? Right. That's the, the, the theory of complementary proteins, which has actually been disproven several years ago, um, which was the idea is that some plant-based foods have what's called an limiting amino acid, meaning that they have a very small amount of one of the essential amino acids, and therefore that's why you would need to pair beans and rice together. 
But research really shows as long as you're eating a wide variety of plant-based proteins throughout the day, you don't have to combine them at one meal in order to get those amino acids because it's not that they're completely deficient of that amino acid. It's just a smaller amount. So you're still getting the amino acids that you need. Um, and that is something that has been disproven. And I actually have an article about that on my website as well. I, I love this because that makes like this knowledge just makes things so much more simple. You know, when people think they have to have these certain combinations of food when they're eating, <laughs> when really it's, it doesn't have to be complicated. Yep, exactly. And, you know, I always encourage people that if you can focus on four things to try to have in each of your meals, you'll generally meet all of your nutrition needs. And that's having a fruit, a veggie, a whole grain or a starchy vegetable. So for example, that whole grain could be brown rice or it could be a sweet potato. And then a legume of some sort, so black beans, lentils, tofu, etc. If you focus on those four things, you're going to meet your protein, your calcium needs, your iron needs, your calorie needs, your fiber. So those are really good four things to think about when it comes to trying to um, just have a good, healthy, balanced, plant-based diet is focusing on those four things at each meal. Fruit, vegetable, whole grain or starchy vegetable and legume. Yes. And so you mentioned that you, you talked about a little bit about the oncology therapy can you talk about a little bit about what the what people can look for as far as cancer fighting foods? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so when it comes to cancer fighting foods, one of the great things is that a plant based diet or excuse me, plant based foods pretty much are all cancer fighting. Um, and the reason for that is because they are full of phytonutrients, which is what I mentioned before with the soy. And the phytonutrients are a plant-based nutrient that can only be found in plants, and they are disease-fighting. And with that being said, so they these phytonutrients have been found to prevent the spread of cancer cells, reduce DNA damage, and even repair DNA damage that's already happened, um, help prevent the things that we eat, drink, and breathe from becoming cancer-producing, so there's a lot of great benefits to having these phytonutrients within the diet. And the great thing is, is that you can get phytonutrients in any whole plant-based food. So, um, so pretty much any whole plant-based food is cancer fighting, but I do like to highlight a select few. And the first and foremost is dark leafy green veggies. These um, are the top of the list because they are the most nutrient-dense food on the planet. In such a small little volume, you can get a lot of great nutrients. So that would consist of your spinach, your kale, mustard greens, beet greens, collard greens, um, almost any of those dark greens that you can think of. Those are pretty incredible. And the other one that I really like to talk about are cruciferous vegetables. So cruciferous vegetables are the cauliflower, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, kale, cabbage, etc. And what makes these really unique is that they have a class of compounds or phytonutrients that is called um, called sulforaphane or excuse me, glucosinolates and then turns into sulforaphane in our body. And um, these are very, very cancer fighting properties that are pretty much exclusive to the cruciferous vegetable category. So if you can try to consume those on a regular basis, if not every day, those are some very powerful anti-cancer foods. 
And when it comes to the fruit category, um, the berries are going to be the best. So granted, there's a lot of different things that you can consume that are cancer fighting, but the dark leafy greens, cruciferous vegetables, and berries definitely top the list for me. Yes, that all sounds really, really good. Now, I have a question. Um, Of course, I have a question. (laughs) (laughs) But so... When it comes to vitamin D, basically the best source is the sun. But on a plant-based diet, are there any food sources that that you would say would be optimum? Sure. Well, I absolutely agree that the best source of vitamin D is from the sun. But we also want to be careful with the sun, right? Because we want to make sure that we're getting vitamin D, but at the same time, we don't want to have so much sun exposure that it increases our risk for UV damage and skin cancer. So it's that delicate balance. When it comes to foods, there's actually not a lot of foods that contain um, vitamin D very naturally. One of them though actually is mushrooms. They tend to have, um, especially depending on how the mushrooms are grown, they tend to have a good source of vitamin D. And then some other foods are going to be fortified with vitamin D. Just like cow's milk is fortified with vitamin D, so oftentimes is the plant-based milk, such as like a soy milk or an almond milk. So you can get the vitamin D through there as well. I'm always encouraging my patients to make sure that they have their vitamin D tested so that we can see where they are, um, where their vitamin D levels are to see if a supplement might be appropriate. And, you know, you guys live in Houston. I live up in Wisconsin. We're, you know, drastic different term in terms of sun exposure so it might be more more important for someone that lives at the higher latitudes like I do um, but I still encourage people no matter where you live it's really good to have that vitamin D tested through a lab draw to see where you are because I'm a big believer in food first and I think supplements can play a role but in an appropriate place and I don't necessarily believe in taking supplements just to take supplements. There should be a reason for it. Um, so if someone is vitamin D deficient, it may be appropriate for them to have a supplement and they should talk to their healthcare provider about what might be an appropriate dose. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's really, really good information. All right, so if you... You've given a, a whole lot of, of advice and insight that's been really, really helpful. But if you encounter somebody that is on the fence about going on a plant-based journey, what what advice would you have? Like, what, if they're not really sure how to get started, like, where do they go from here? They have the knowledge. They know what they're supposed to do. What is the first step? So I always recommend that the first step is focus on adding rather than subtracting. So if you really focus on adding in those whole plant-based foods like the fruits, vegetables, whole grains, and legumes, and not worry so much about, oh my goodness, I'm never going to have meat or I'm never going to have dairy again, really just focus about what you're adding to your diet. And then you can talk about, you know, reducing those things from your diet down the road. But I really truly believe that the more you add those good things in, the better you're going to feel and be more motivated to try a plant-based diet more exclusively. And I always tell people, you know, don't worry, don't let perfection be the enemy of progress. And if you can just make that progress, um, and oftentimes what I experience, it happened for myself, but also for a lot of clients that I work with, you slowly start doing it. And then you just kind of get to this point where a light switch just goes off and all of a sudden you kind of are motivated and excited to be a hundred percent and it happens differently for everybody but if you can just focus on adding those good things to your diet first I think people will experience some really good outcomes that will motivate them to push forward Mm -hmm. 
Do you have any favorite inspirational resources to share? Well, absolutely. So, um, of course, I'm going to encourage people to check out our website, but I have a bunch of testimonials on there and great videos of these clients and their experience of, um, you know, when I first started talking to them about a plant-based diet and how they thought maybe I was a little crazy, and then um, they adopted it and how it just drastically changed their life. So there's some amazing inspirational stories on um, our website um, from patients with um, colon cancer to breast cancer um, and uh, stage four melanoma, lots of different, and their success stories related to it. So that's super inspiring. I do, of course, always like Forks Over Knives, which is a great resource and the success stories on there. Um, on their website, you can see success stories from almost every different type of um, chronic disease there are. So those are a couple of my favorites. Okay, that's good information. So Tell us a little bit more about your practice, Wholesome, and like what people can tap into if they would like to get in touch with you and, and learn more. Yeah, absolutely. So Wholesome is um, vir- is virtually based. I do see people in person if they're local to southeastern Wisconsin, but I do see people from all over the country um, and even Canada and anyone that speaks English and has internet access um, for the most part. And what I, um, I do primarily work with a lot of cancer patients because I have a board certification in cancer nutrition. However, I do see people from with other different disease states too, such as the autoimmune diseases, PCOS and infertility. Um, but how I work with people is truly it's, we focus on nutrition and adopting a plant-based diet. And I always tell people they don't have to be pursuing a hundred percent plant-based diet to be able to work with me. Um, but know that I'm always going to encourage them to eat more plants. Um, so, and some people are on the direction where they want to consume a hundred percent plant-based diet and some just want a plant predominant diet. And I work with both types of individuals. Um, I really focus on the whole person and when it comes to stress and sleep and um, all the other things that are going to directly impact their nutrition choices. And so you can kind of think of it as a health coach, life coach type approach as well. Um, But I always stay in my scope of practice of nutrition um, and help people accomplish the goals that they're looking for. And in order to tap into those resources on our website, um, there is a form that says individual counseling, and you can fill out an application to see if we're a good fit together. And we do do a free initial call really to dive in to make sure that we're both a good fit to work together, that I can help accomplish, I can help the individual reach their goals, um, and that I'm the right person for the job. And um, it's really rewarding. It's really fun for me, and especially just to see the progress that is made with individuals from when they first start with me to um, when we get them on a good track and they kind of go off on their own then. So I know your website is wholesomellc.com, right? Correct. Okay. Are you, are you on any social media platforms for people that want to follow you? Absolutely. I'm on Facebook and Instagram, both of them at Wholesome LLC as well. Um, I'm definitely more active on Instagram, but when it comes to Facebook, I do have a free Facebook group there that um, I jump in on a Facebook Live every Monday where I talk about different topics. Um, It's a free group to join where I'm just going to be dropping a lot more nutrition information and just help spread that education awareness. Awesome. So what's the next thing you hope to accomplish in health and wellness? 
you know, the biggest thing that I hope to accomplish is continuing to spread the benefits of plant-based nutrition within the cancer community. And whether that means um, before treatment, after treatment, or into survivorship, I just want to keep spreading that awareness and how beneficial that it can be for all stages of a cancer diagnosis. Um, So um, I've done some presentations across the country already, and I'm hoping to grow that a little bit more and just spread the word. Awesome. Is there anything else that we haven't talked about so far that you would like to mention? Well, the only other thing that I would mention is if you do have some people that are interested um, in getting started, I do have a free five-day plant-based guide on our website that talks about, um, it has all the recipes, grocery list, um, even prep type um, things that you can do on Sunday or Monday to make the week a little bit easier, especially for people that are interested in a, seeing what that plant-based diet can do, because I do think that even in just five days, people can notice a difference. Yes. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to share your awesome story. I am so inspired by everything that you're doing. And I look forward to seeing you continue to spread the word because it's so, so needed. Um, I just, I wish that you had been around when my grandmothers needed this information. (laughs) Yeah, well, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. And I just love what you guys are doing by, you know, spreading the knowledge as well and doing everything you can to do it. And I think it's definitely going to take a village and keep on spreading the word all as best we can and um, just truly make a big positive impact in people's lives. Thank you again, Allison, for taking the time to speak with us. To all of our listeners, make sure you go to our website, wholesomellc.com, to get that free five-day meal plan. Uh, we're also going to leave a link in our show notes. In today's pantry makeover segment, we want to go a little bit into seasonings. Not necessarily what seasoning to buy, but what to look out for when you're buying these seasonings. Um, seasonings can be a very sneaky source of excess sodium. So this is especially true for blends and seasoning packets. Sometimes the seasonings can have salt as the very first ingredient. So when you're heavy handed, it can easily make your dish become too salty. So look out for the back of the package or the jar and uh, make sure that salt is not the first ingredient. Other things to look out for in the ingredient list are unnecessary items like artificial flavors, artificial colors, fillers, MSGs caking agents, preservatives, most of the time the items are potentially harmful chemicals. And also, like salt, seasonings can also contain added sugar. And your seasoning ingredients should really be very simple. We also urge you to check out the expiration dates of seasonings. They lose their potency as time goes on. Oftentimes we've come across seasonings in stores that are either past their sell-by date or very close to it, so look out for that too. Make sure you tune in next week. We'll be doing a deep dive into some of our favorite seasonings, their benefits, and some ways you can use them in the kitchen. Do you have a question or idea for a future segment? We want to hear from you. Send us your question through the contact us link on plantschangemylife.com.
We love spreading the word about the benefits of a healthy, whole food, plant-based diet and want to invite you to join us in the movement. So make today the day you grab a Plants Change My Life t-shirt for yourself or someone you love. Check out our new colors and styles. Just visit PlantsChangeMyLife.com and click on Merch. Your purchase helps us carry out our mission. You can also help by sharing the podcast with others, leaving feedback and subscribing to the show wherever you listen. We truly appreciate your support. Thank you for listening in to the Plants Change My Life podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Please follow us at Plants Change My Life on Instagram and Facebook. And head on over to PlantsChangeMyLife.com for additional information about the show and the resources mentioned. Also, if you or someone you know has a story to share, please get in touch with us at stories at PlantsChangeMyLife.com. Respect and always remember, when you eat good, you reap good. Peace.